everyone, and welcome to episode 155 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. This is Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and I'm joined today by the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going today, Richard? Good, Seth. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. This is a crazy day. We don't have a ton of topics by number, but we have a bunch of really exciting topics. So first off, we're going to talk a little bit about Rivals of Ixalan pre-release, which happened both in paper and on Magic Online over the past weekend. Then we got a massive band of restricted announcement that came out just a couple of hours ago, so we will talk about that. And then we'll wrap up with a bunch of fish mail. So I guess we should jump right into it. Richard, did you go to pre-release for Rivals of Ixalan this weekend? I did. I, I missed the last pre-release because uh, I was out of town and... We had a, a super early Dungeons & Dragons recording this weekend, <laughs> so I couldn't do the midnight pre-release. But I, I did get there on Sunday, and I slammed some dinosaurs into other dinosaurs. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, we played some Rivals of Ixalan pre-release. Uh, it, was a, it was a good time, but I also saw that uh, you were playing... Some unprecedented pre-release. Yeah, usually I'm the one that's like, oh, I didn't make it to pre-release, but Wizards actually did a Magic Online pre-release that went Thursday to Friday. So I got to do a pre-release event too. It was basically exactly like the paper pre-release, except you don't get a sweet promo, but uh, whatever. Uh, So I actually got to play the format too, and... I thought it was pretty fun. Our pool was pretty medium. I think our best rare was Galta, so we ended up this weird Jun dinosaur type deck that was kind of medium. We didn't really have any bombs, and we had some, like, alright stuff, but I actually had fun with it. I don't, I know one of the big things about Ixalan Limited is that people didn't like the speed of it, or at least some people. It was really, really fast, and in my experience uh, with a pre-release, Sealed for Rivals of Ixalan didn't feel that way. It didn't feel like like all the decks were lightning fast and you're just dying right away. It actually felt relatively slow, but I'm curious of what you thought, Richard, because wasn't Ixalan itself one of your least favorite pre-releases, if I remember right? It's kind of slow. <laughs> I mean, city, getting the city's blessing is very easy. Like, I think almost every single game, both players got city's blessing. It's just hard to close out the game fast and sealed. Uh, draft will be a different story when you can actually draft together an aggressive deck. But uh, everyone just kind of played dinosaurs. I think what happens is most pools will be, you know, some dinosaur cards, some pirate cards, some merfolk cards. And you, you can't really build, like, a very synergistic deck unless... You, you open, you know, the, the best sealed pool ever and had five on-tribe rares in the same colors. But then when that happens, what you usually default to are kind of the big, beefy creatures, and those are dinosaurs. So all my opponents played dinosaurs, I played dinosaurs, all my friends played dinosaurs, and we kind of just slammed dinosaurs into each other, and whoever had the better elder dinosaur usually won. <laughs> but I would like to note that I got slapped in the face with the Gishath, and survived <laughs> so Ooh. so you know i i had the the white four eight double strike indestructible whatever whatever too many keywords i can't remember <laughs> not actually that good though because there's a lot of enchantment based removal in sealed but uh, it is annoying to deal with but 
Fun times. Jurassic Park in Magic. Yeah, I definitely had that experience, too, because our big dinosaur was Galta, and we actually cast it a few times, and then it would just get, like, the janky three-mana pacifism, or there's a blue enchantment that's three-mana that taps down a creature and keeps it tapped out. So that was kind of my experience, too, is it was probably one of the worse of the elder dinosaurs along with maybe the white one because they're just big things that still die to removal when like the black one actually kills stuff uh the red one if you get in like one attack at least you're getting value but i don't know i thought it was pretty fun though did you feel like in general the format was more fun than ixalan which you didn't like that much yeah i think i think just having more tribal cards makes it better so so yeah i i think i think it's a step up uh, we'll see how draft goes. Draft is usually very different from sealed because you can actually construct your decks uh, and you don't have to rely on luck so much. Yeah, that's definitely true. I think it's more possible to get like a pirate deck or a merfolk deck where you really just cut a tribe really hard and end up with all of it. And so I think it'll be less of the dinosaur battles than you see in sealed where everyone's just playing their big, huge dinosaurs. Yeah, I, I really felt like an old man playing pre-release, though. Like, <laughs> I looked at some of these cards, and I'm like, okay, a 5-mana five 5-5 five, five dinosaur with haste at uncommon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is it just me, or are these creatures getting out of hand? I'm like, I'm used to my 5-mana five 3-5s. Like, what's going on here? Oh, that, that dinosaur was the MVP of my deck. Not even my elder dinosaur. Just the five mana five five haste along with the uh, the forerunners. Oh, they're so crazy good. The the forerunners of X where you get to tutor up a card of your tribe and you get a, a trigger as well. Yeah, I was super impressed with the red one. I had two copies in my pool and while the tutoring ability was kind of like medium sometimes, because a lot of times we were hoping to draw lands and not tutor a dinosaur to the top of our deck, the ability to play like the the five mana uncommon dinosaur that makes a 3-3 token when it enters the play and just like wrath your opponent's board or kill all their small creatures with the damage was surprisingly effective. So it was a good way to trigger enrage, good way to get rid of your opponent's smaller creatures, although random like 2-1 flyers and stuff that are actually really annoying if you're playing a dinosaur based deck so i thought the forerunners were pretty sweet too did you open anything valuable or like really cool nope i opened like a mill rare a <laughs> dual land that was off color <laughs> none of my rares did anything useful but i did get the forerunner and i built my own long tusk cub <laughs> in sealed there's the uh, green white dinosaur that in rage uh gets plus two plus one plus one counters and I played that on turn two and got it up to a 10-10 <laughs> with just enrage triggers from a Forerunner and stuff. Like, my opponent wasn't chump blocking every turn. But I'm like, okay, this is bigger than my Elder Dinosaur <laughs> coming in. <laughs> so how many colors were you in? Were you just a straight two-color deck? Naya, no, okay. I, I had to pull from all my colors <laughs> to actually assemble enough playables. It, it was not a very good pool. Yeah, that's kind of where I ended up, too. I think like you probably want to try to be two colors, but sometimes you have to go into three colors. I know I opened Ravenous Chupacabra, which I'm pretty sure is just like the single best card in the entire set for Sealed. So I was kind of like splashing that in my green-red dinosaur deck which was probably a little bit greedy but it was really good when we had two black sources <laughs> oh you did what i was gonna do so uh, i i also was green white and i had uh the the chuka the chuka 
Chupacabra? Chupacabra, Chupacabra, thing. <laughs> and I also had the the murder, which was Black Black 2. And that's the only removal of my pool. So I debated, should I splash black? And then I put, <laughs> I put four swamps in my deck. And then I'm like, I have four swamps. All my splash cards are double black. This is probably not going to work. So I, I decided to go red instead. I was yeah, not as greedy as Seth. I, in my defense, we also had two Evolving Wilds and two Dual Lands in the Jun colors, so I kind of like had the mana base to sort of make it work, but Double Black is still... That's super greedy as a splash. <laughs> uh, so, overall, any uh, other thoughts on the pre-release? Uh, no, not really. I mean, it, it is what it is. Uh, sealed is very different from draft, so uh, I want to try some drafts with the format, see how it feels, and uh, stock up for cards for standard. Yeah, I think that suddenly, uh, kind of segueing to our next topic, suddenly the Rivals Vixlon cards might actually be a little bit more relevant to standard. So today was BNR announcement day, and we've been talking about energy, talking about this BNR announcement for what seems like months now. So Richard, do you want to fill everyone in on what the announcement actually said when it finally came down? All right, effective January 19th. January 15th on Magic Online, which is immediately. The following cards are banned from Standard. Attune with Aether, Rogue Refiner, Rampaging Ferocidon, and Ramunap Ruins. No changes in other formats. (laughs) Oh my god. So... This announcement is so funny because in some sense, it's what we expected, but then in other ways, it is very surprising. So what is your instant gut reaction to this BNR announcement, Richard? All right, so everyone knew Attune was going out. I don't think anyone thought Attune with Ether was going to be safe uh, if something was banned. The question was, what was the other card? Was it Ether Hub, Long Tusk Hub? Uh, Whirler Virtuoso, they went with the Rogue Refiner. All all those cards are overpowered, so any of them could have went, so I'm fine with the energy bannings. What's interesting is the collateral damage, the uh, Rampaging Ferocidon, I don't think was on anybody's radar for getting banned. Uh, and Ravunap Ruins, you know, kind of the best land for Reach and Standard got hit. So the rationale was, once you take out Teamer Energy, Ramunap Red would be too good. So they decided to hit that deck with not one, but two bands. And they they said, why Rampaging Ferocidon? Well, we looked at the other cards, like Hazaret or Beaumont Courier, and if you ban those cards, the deck would play two differently. So they chose this poor little dinosaur as a scapegoat and sacrificed it to uh, to appease standard players. So, so I don't know how I feel about the wrapping up red bands, but I think Teamer Energy is fine. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely expecting Teamer Energy to get banned. I feel like this is actually a somewhat light touch banning compared to what they could have done to Energy if they... If they really wanted to kill it, they could have definitely banned another card or two to make sure the deck was dead. Ramen on Bread was a bit more surprising, but I think their argument makes sense to me. Like, they actually did publish uh, a bunch of data showing win rates of various decks, the two decks that got targeted with bannings against the field, and just how good those decks were. One of the kind of surprising parts is, while Teamer Energy was the most played deck uh, in Standard, Ramen on Bread was actually the best deck 
in standard, except against Team Renergy. That was its one matchup where it wasn't heavily favored, but against every other deck that was trying to beat Energy, uh, Ramanump was Red was very good, which is how we got these top eights in these formats where Team Renergy would consistently win and do really well in the top eight, because basically Team Renergy and Ramanump Red would knock everyone out of the field. Ramanump Red would be every non-Team Renergy deck. Team Renergy was also favored against literally every deck in the field, if not in game one, then after sideboarding it was favored. Uh, so so those decks would knock everything else out, and then Team Energy would beat Ramen on Bread, which is exactly what our format looked like. So I feel like it does make sense from that perspective, and from a more meta perspective, I'm a little more comfortable with those kind of bannings right now because they have that play design team, and I think I'm putting a lot of faith in that group, but they have a lot of really good players on their play design team. They've been hiring pros, uh, really solid players, so I assume that those players are testing these matchups, testing what the format would look like if they ban just energy. Is Ramen Ampred really dominating? So I feel like that group of players and the play design team hopefully made the right choice on this one with the banning, even if Ferocidon does look a little strange. Uh, that's where I disagree. I, I don't like... I, I don't like anticipatory... Is that even a word? Bans. <laughs> <laughs> so you remove Teamer Energy, fine, right? But when you remove Teamer Energy, like, the metagame will shift. All these decks that kind of were pushed out by Teamer Energy, you know, will become better, which may then combat Ramunap Red. Like, I don't see why you have to preemptively knock Ramunap Red down. Uh, you know, they're kind of predicting the future here. What I think they're really doing is just making sure the old guard is gone, right? The old meta is gone, and they're ushering in Rivals of Ixalan. They don't want the old card staying around, and especially Rampaging Ferocidon, you know, players can't gain life. Uh, vampires, their life gain is very key to their tribe so you know this would just naturally hate out vampires so by taking this card out you you kind of give vampires a shot of doing something so i think they're just doing this to promote diversity and rivals which is fine but i don't think it's necessary or i think it, it might be ambitious to kind of predict the future because you you ban team or energy the metagame is going to shift how do you know red is going to be the best deck and it's an aggro deck you should be able to combat it somehow, right? You could have added more life gain or... Uh, not life gain, but, like, fast <laughs> removal. <laughs> Things like that. I, I don't know. I, I don't like this 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 preemptive attack on Ramunapra, especially since we haven't had a good red deck in so long, and when we get one, it gets, like, slapped around. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Uh, well, I think that's, that is a fair argument, and I definitely see that perspective. I guess... I guess maybe my... Uh, my perspective is just biased by wanting to play these sweet new things, and I'm not especially sad that both Team Energy and Robin on Pred get knocked down. Like, I think I agree with you in theory, but I'm also, as someone that just wants to play cool new standard decks, I'm happy that I don't have to gear them to beat Ramen on Brad, and we're kind of, in some sense, we're kind of starting fresh. So I think that I'm okay with it overall. I think it's also worth pointing out that I don't think either of the decks that were targeted are really dead. Like, I think Energy will still be a reasonable deck in Standard. I think Red, Ramen on Bread, whether it's... I mean, I guess we don't call it Ramen on Bread anymore without Ramen on Bruins, but some oh, sort will. of... <laughs> we'll call it Ramen on Bread. Just like Affinity is still Affinity. <laughs> but I think, like, you got the Pirate 1-drop. I think you can kind of 
push your red aggro more towards pirates. Like, maybe that's another reason that taking away some of the current payoffs from Ramanomp Red maybe opens up red pirate aggro or red splash something pirate aggro with a lot of the cards that we're still seeing. So I feel like it does open things up, but I think you can still play your Hazrets. They're not going to just, like, get crushed in value. You can still play a lot of the cards from Energy. I think the deck will still be reasonable. So I feel like Wizards did a good job with these bannings to not harm players any more than they had to, considering they banned four cards in Standard. But I don't feel like players take a really significant loss here. I feel like, unlike when it's like, oh, we banned Splinter Twin, and suddenly a bunch of expensive cards are just worthless, I feel like that doesn't really happen too much in this banning in specific. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the expense Scare of God is probably still good. Hazard is probably still good. So, yeah, I, I think that's fine. They, they didn't really crush any value, and... I would say it's very unlikely they ever crush value because the valuable cards are also kind of the face cards of their sets. And it would be very embarrassing uh, if they had to ban, you know, the face cards of the set. That's why when Saheeli and Felidur Guardian was a thing, they banned Felidur Guardian and not kind of your face planeswalker. (laughs) I mean, that's probably the big reason why poor... Ferocidon met its end <laughs> instead of something like Hazaret. That's probably one of the big arguments for it. Everkel sacrificed herself for <laughs> for future for future VNRs. <laughs> but I think overall I'm pretty happy with the bandings, only because it just creates a new standard. Uh, you know, the details of it are wishy-washy, but I think most players will be on the positive side of this because we get a fresh new format to brew with. And I've been on social media all morning, kind of keeping track of that in Reddit and whatnot, and it feels like overall the general mood is pretty positive in the community towards these bannings. Like, there's obviously some people that don't like it, don't like bannings, period, but overall, I think most people are pretty accepting of this change. I think a big question is, uh, what are you expecting in Standard moving forward, Richard? We have these bannings now. What are you most excited to play? What do you think is going to shoot to the top of the format now that there's this void to be filled with the two best decks getting knocked down, at least somewhat? So what are you expecting to come next in Standard? I have no idea. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully some tribal cards, but it could be... Kind of the old guard, like our, our God Pharaoh's gift decks and things like that, actually <laughs> rising to the top. But hopefully, it will be merfolk or vampires or dinosaurs or something. And worst case scenario is Teamer Energy wins the next <laughs> Grand Prix still somehow, some way. <laughs> Using uh, cards from Rivals of Ixalan, it shoots itself to the top. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. But hopefully we see some Rivals next. I, I would be disappointed if Rivals made no impact to Standard. Yeah, I think Rivals definitely has a big shot now. And remember, like it's almost like Ixlon's entering the format for the first time, too. It, it almost feels like we just had a rotation or something, because Ixalan just, apart from maybe like Hostage Shaker, Search for his Kanta, uh, a couple of utility cards like Duress and Lightning Strike, it just didn't really have an impact. So we're kind of getting two new sets that are suddenly on the table. So I think we definitely will see those decks. We'll have to see what tier they kind of shake out to. Is Merfolk like a tier one deck that's winning GPs, or is it kind of like a second tier deck that's definitely 
playable, but I think that's like the worst case scenario is these tribes are playable now. Dinosaurs, merfolk, I'm most confident in. Vampires, I'm a little nervous just because I'm afraid they might be bad merfolk until we get some more ways to uh, kind of take advantage of their self-sacrifice aristocratic feel, which we don't have like a blood artist or something, so I almost feel like they're in the same space as like a tribal aggro deck right now, but merfolk is probably just better at being a tribal aggro deck, and I think you're also right. If I was going to choose just like there's a tournament this weekend, I would probably look towards some of the decks that we already know are good, like you mentioned God Pharaoh's Gift, Tokens I think is a massive beneficiary, not just because they were already a good deck and they have like Quatli in the new set but they also get rid of Ferocidon which was just like a nightmare you have to answer that right away or you just lose you can't be Ferocidon I think Control definitely is in the conversation uh, Torrential Gearhawk decks Approach to the Second Sun decks so I, I, it's, it's an exciting time. And the other thing to consider with all this is we have a modern Pro Tour in two weeks. So there's no Pro Tour. SCG has two standard events, I believe, in the next six months, not counting the team events where all three formats are played. Uh, GPs are focused on limited and modern because of the Pro Tour. So we don't even really have any big tournaments to like set the format and tell us what the, the top of the metagame is. So I think it's a really exciting time if you like brewing decks, you like just trying out new things because I feel like the format is wide open for that not just because of the bannings but because of the tournament schedule that's coming up over the next few months do you think that's accidental or do you think that's on purpose that we have a kind of a lull in big standard tournaments uh well I think it's like a little bit of both I mean I know it's intentional from SCG like they basically just I think they might have directly said modern in just the most popular format. We run modern opens and more people show up to them, so we're going to do more modern opens. As far as Wizards, it's interesting to think that maybe they did this intentionally, but I feel like if they were expecting this to happen, like if they were thinking back in the summer, all right, we're probably going to have to ban energy, but we're going to wait till this January announcement. I feel like they would have wanted the Pro Tour to be standard, actually. I think doing a huge standard banning and not having a standard Pro Tour is probably actually a negative for Wizards, because there would be a lot of hype for this Pro Tour right after the bannings, if it was standard. Yeah. So from a more meta perspective, what do you think about uh, I, I don't know how many bannings we've had in a row now. Four? Uh, we have, we've had 12 <laughs> cards banned in standard in one calendar year. Yeah, What what is this new precedent? So, so we rolled out the fast rotation. We're like, okay, standard is kind of stale. We need to move faster. And then players didn't like it because, you know, you had to keep buying new cards. So they rolled it back. And then they started banning things left and right. And we effectively have a mini rotation here, right? We're, we're taking two of the best decks and kind of pushing them out of the metagame or at least pushing them down. It feels like a rotation. What are we doing? Like, what, what is going on? Are we just going to have these soft rotations going forward where g- give each block kind of one or two set releases to, to play out and then ban the top two decks? Is, is that where we're going with this? Because it feels like that's what's been happening for quite a while now. Oh man, that is... This is a really big question with a ton of answers to it. So I think overall my answer would be I hope not. I think... If that's where we're going to, I think Wizards would be better off just going back to faster rotation. I think banning cards is 
more detrimental uh, because you don't have any control over it. With rotation, yes, I know people didn't necessarily like the faster rotation and their cards not being legal for as long, but at least you could see it coming. And if you were, if you just bought ramen on bread with your Christmas money or your birthday money, and then suddenly this happens, like you have no way to prepare for that. If it was a scheduled rotation, at least you could prepare. The reason I'm hopeful, and we I talked about this a little bit earlier, but I really think that the play design team, I'm really hopeful it's going to help with these issues. And we just haven't seen the impact of it yet. It started in the spring, not enough time to really influence our current standard or any of the current sets. I think Dominaria or the fall set will be the first sets that we really see an impact of the play design team. So I'm hopeful that having this dedicated team will alleviate a lot of those problems. And I also think that it's probably worth talking about going back to some version of two rotations a year, even if it has to like accommodate, accommodate players by keeping cards legal a little bit longer uh, and not rotating like every year a set, but every whatever, two years or something. But I think two rotations a year might actually be a good thing, and Wizards had the right idea, but sort of went about it in the wrong way. But what what's your take on all that, Richard? Yeah, I do not have the same faith as you, <laughs> Seth. I, I think no matter how good the playtest team is, let's say they are 5 to 10 of the best balanced designers or the greatest Magic players or all of those things combined, you cannot beat out thousands tens of thousands of people playing for hours and hours and hours on end on moto and in events and grinding and playtesting you just can't beat that and maybe maybe once in a while the stars aligned and there's the perfect format but i think most of the time they're not going to be able to reach that and you're gonna end up in this state where players complain and you're in a lose-lose situation players complain that oh you rotate too fast players complain that oh you know the this deck is too good ban it right or this deck is too good don't ban it i don't want you to keep banning things and you're in a lose-lose situation i think this will always happen so i i think the answer is faster rotation like you said and just make it known that it's going to happen but we've been there and we know it doesn't work so i don't know how coming back a second time is going to fix anything so what do you think if... So the last fast rotation they did, basically the longest a set would be legal in standard was a year and a half, and the shortest was a year, the way it was set up. What do you think if they push that time frame back? So cards were actually legal in standard for the same amount of time that they have now, so minimum would be a year and a half, maximum would be two years, but we still rotated twice as often, so once in the fall, once in the spring. So it feels... That would be my suggestion. It feels like that helps alleviate people's concerns about their cards rotating too quickly and losing value too quickly, but also give us two times a year where we can shake up the format without hopefully having to have as many bannings. Yeah, but uh, like once you get an overpowered mechanic like energy, it's guaranteed to be there for 1.5 to 2 years until it gets banned out. So by preserving the amount of time you can play with cards you also kind of preserve the badness that goes with it Uh, that's that's true i kind of wanted to come at it from the opposite perspective from the perspective of the community and ask you uh so we have hearthstone we have hacks we have all these digital card games and in those games they just change cards all the time like it feel i don't keep up on it as much as someone that that was their primary game but it seems like i just on my social media i'm seeing 
every month or two, cards are getting nerfed, cards are getting banned. So in this day and age of digital CCGs where things change quickly, are we in the community, do we need to adapt and just be like, all right, this is just how games work in 2018, and it sucks, but we're going to have more bannings, and that's just how how these type of games work now. Yeah, I think you hit it right there, right? We We need to change things quickly, and because Wizards prints actual cards... The only way to change the card pool quickly is bannings. You can't really add new cards uh, on a fast schedule. That's hard. I guess you could errata cards, but that just causes all kinds of confusion, right? Most digital games just errata cards, and you know you don't quote unquote lose value. You still own the cards. Uh, your UI is updated to show the new rules, and everything works. So it, it's actually pretty seamless, and it goes in line with every other video game. Right? Any other competitive video game, there are balance patches, you know, regularly, like every two weeks, every month. You, you kind of accept that your favorite champion or your favorite character will go through buffs and nerfs and they will change their position in the, in the meta game as things go on. And you hope the developers create a balanced game, but it kind of never happens. And, you know, balance is always an ongoing thing. And Watsy can't do any of this. They make their cards like six months, a year, two years in advance, and they print them out. And we're stuck with it, right? Until we move to Magic Arena completely, we're, we're kind of here. It's like consuming your news with the newspaper and complaining you're, you're not in the loop, right? Like, they can only make a newspaper every day. Uh, all your other friends get their news 30 seconds after it happens because they're on Twitter, and you're asking... The newspapers to to print you a newspaper every hour and they're like we can't do it right we can't do it so i i feel like the the paper aspect of magic in terms of gameplay is holding it down obviously it has other benefits like meeting your friends in real life and stuff like that but in terms of gameplay it really slows down how fast you can react to the metagame and things like that so here's a really crazy idea I just thought of, and I have no idea what this would cost, so maybe this is just way too expensive to ever work, but what if Wizards actually tried to do the errata thing in paper like a digital game, and let's say Felidaire Guardian, which um, if you could have errated it so it didn't blink Planeswalkers basically, it would have been a fine, fun card to have in the format, or uh, some sort of small wording change like that. What if Wizards, instead of banning Felidaire Guardian, uh, printed out a ton of Felid Air Guardians with the new text, sent them to local game stores around the world, and said, uh, you can trade in up to one playset of your old Felid Air Guardians for this new version that has the proper text on it. Too complicated. Yeah. <laughs> because there's a couple problems. Like, A, you need to be aware of this. Like, you know, when, when you play Hearthstone online, to play, you need to log in. And as soon as you log in, they can change your cards and tell you about the changes. Whereas, you know, you may have picked up your fellow your guardian at Walmart and four months from now you saunter into your <laughs> local game store. You, you, you're not aware of any of this, right? So it's, it's hard to do this, and let alone the actual costs of just continually distributing cards. Like, can you imagine all local game stores get a new four-pack of Attuned with Ethers, Rogue Refiners, <laughs> Rampaging Ferocidons, and Ramunap Ruins? And they need to now track and trade in with all their players. It's just like a nightmare. Yeah. Hmm. 
I don't know. Maybe it's just impossible to do with a paper game like Magic. Just <laughs> just have, like, checklist cards. <laughs> where it's like a tune with Ether either gives you one energy, two energy, <laughs> or zero energy. And when the VNR changes, you check a different box. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Or, or like, Urza's head. Like, just all the cards have a URL, and you're like, go and click a button and it tells you what the actual ability is this month <laughs> yeah i mean uh, clearly the answer is you you buy magic the gathering starter pack which is 75 iphones and each iphone just shows the image of a card and watch you can change that <laughs> whenever you want oh uh, that would be fun to shuffle <laughs> uh, so i think i would 100 percent rather have faster rotation than have bannings multiple times a year. But at this point, I'm holding out hope that that this is an anomaly and that energy <laughs> was a problem. Wizards just absolutely messed up. They made changes to put in this play design team. They're going to have more eyes looking at this stuff and that we can avoid this in the future because we've had standards that weren't like this when we had the internet and we had tons of data we had more data peak data for magic was probably like Innistrad Khan's block and those standards were okay I think so I I'm not completely sold on the fact that this is just how it has to be because we have so much magic media we have deck lists we have all this stuff I feel like we've had examples of standards that had all that stuff and even more than what we have right now and weren't broken so I'm crossing my fingers and I think we'll know more a year from now once we see the impact of play design once we see if uh wizards learns from this energy mistake and maybe arguably the vehicle pushing vehicles too far as well so i'm still hopeful at this point i don't think i'm as as down about that stuff as you are oh, i'm jaded i'm done with this <laughs> <laughs> I, I i've seen it progressively get worse the longer we've worked on goldfish i i think we've just hit critical mass there's so many people playing and talking about the game you just can't hide information anymore you know it reminds me of like when a celebrity gets like a bad photo of them you know leaked by the paparazzi and they're like i demand you delete it from the internet and it's like uh okay but the internet doesn't work that way once it's out there it's out there and you know watsi tried to hide the deck list they tried to restrict the flow of deck list coming out and nothing has really changed, really. I think things are solved just as fast. They tried, you know, remember they, they tried moving uh, Worlds, you know, not having the set debut at Worlds, or sorry, at the Pro Tour, but debuted at Worlds instead. And then none of this was actually working. There's just too much data. They got to somehow embrace it and use it, uh, you know, to help them instead of trying to fight against it. That's, that's what I was going to ask. Do you think that seeing... I mean, I guess at this point you can say hiding the deck list was probably a failure because we're still having these issues. We're still having bannings. If it's not a failure, at least it didn't solve the problem. Is there any chance that at this point Wizards just goes 100% the other direction and figures what do we have to lose and just publishes all the data like some other games do? Like they've tried everything <laughs> that, that else. That seems too progressive. I don't think Wizards <laughs> can do that. <laughs> uh, they, I mean, they should. They should get with the times and just release everything but i don't think they will i i think they like their kind of secret playtest team and we we know better uh kind of attitude i think they'll keep that but i i do think they need to embrace the fact that they are a paper product in a digital world and the 
kind of the speed of information in social media is different now than it was in 1995 and even now when we go back to the golden age of magic during Innistrad and Ravnica or whatever or even cons it's vastly different so the Wizards needs to figure out how to adapt to that uh, well, it'll be interesting to see what comes next and how good Standard is based on these bannings. And personally, I'm excited. I, I'm normally the first person to be skeptical and jaded and complain, but for some reason, I'm feeling really hopeful today after these bannings. I'm excited to start brewing Standard. I'm really hopeful that the problems can be fixed and that this was we'll look back on this like some crazy weird nightmare a few years from now and be like oh (laughs) wizards actually did have it all under control they figured out the problems they solved it everything's good so i don't know i'm feeling hopeful yeah i mean uh i hope they fix it too (laughs) i hope i hope it gets fixed whether it's intentional or by accident right they could just fumble around till they get to the solution which is fine as well but i I hope we get to a, a period of stability where people aren't afraid of their cards being banned because of course for every player that's happy with the BNR there's some person who is like I just traded for my playset of Rampaging Ferocidons yesterday I finally foiled out Rabunap Red or whatever <laughs> those people are very sad so we want to avoid that going forward you know predictable rotations no surprise bannings and stuff like that uh, I, I definitely agree with that so Oh, man. So any other thoughts, Richard? We've talked pre-release. We've talked BNR. We've talked standard. Anything else we want to get to before we head into the world of Fishmail? Uh, no, not really. It's a little strange because we have a modern pro tour coming up. So I, I guess our thoughts will be shifting towards modern <laughs> and rivals of Ixalan. Uh, so it, it'll make for an interesting time in standard, given that most of the focus will be on modern uh, while this new set is being released. Yeah, I think uh, Standard shifts on Moto today. It'll shift this weekend, and then, oddly, I don't think there's even a Standard event. The SCG event this weekend isn't even Standard only. It's a team event, so there will be some Standard involved. So I will be very curious. I have a feeling that the deck list and what we see over the next couple of weeks is going to be pretty off the wall because people are going to be trying everything. So I'm really excited for that, and I think it's going to be a really fun and interesting time, at least for the next few weeks. Yep, agreed. Well, let's uh, let's do some fish mail. I think we have a decent amount of fish mail to talk about. So, Richard, take it away. Yeah, if you have any questions, you can send them to us on Twitter at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions on air. First question, Nick Goulian. If you had to delete a psychographic profile, which one would it be, and which of the five colors would you delete? So, like, Timmy, Johnny, Spike, <sighs> Melvin. <laughs> what is Melvin? Is, is Melvin the Vorthos? Or is Vorthos oh. its own? What is Melvin? Yeah. I know Melvin is a thing. Melvin might be Vorthos-ish. Melvin and and Vorthos. Hold on. They're kind of, Oh. They're, they're two separate things. While you think of your answer, I'll search what Melvin is. <laughs> well, I mean, my first answer would be i really want people to play magic how they want to play it so i would say would say none i don't want to delete anyone's way of playing but if you're gonna force me to choose i'm gonna say i'm gonna go with spike i'm gonna delete i'm gonna delete the spikes and i would delete the color of uh, white 
Yeah, thousands of pros just screamed out <laughs> in vain. I, I think I, I agree with you. Uh, Spike's focus on winning. Every other one focuses on fun. So what's more important? I'm going to say having fun. So I, I think Spike is the odd one out there. Uh, colors? I I can't remove a color. Why would you remove a color? It's so like perfectly perfectly balanced but maybe i'll remove blue Ooh. ouch because <laughs> blue seems to cause the the most anguish the most <laughs> the most non-fun of all the other colors you know getting your stuff doom bladed is fine kind of getting your stuff pathed is fine bolted fine but counterspell no that's that's where we draw the line that's that causes rage so maybe blue <laughs> is the one that can go well, welcome to the new happy magic the gathering where everyone can have fun <laughs> I would be so sad without blue. Oh, uh, we'll just play black and draw cards. <laughs> uh, the next question comes from the Fallen three two seven four. Highest value card is thirteen dollars. When will wizards make better value sets? I'm assuming well, this is in reference to rivals. Yes, and I think that's not even any longer true in part thanks to the bannings i think we're going to see some of the prices shooting up but there's like this weird give and take having better value sets sounds good but then uh then you have more expensive cards and you got to pay more to get your decks so there's kind of like a give and take there but really when it comes down to it the ev of this set is not great but it's not bad it's kind of like average ish so i don't think that I don't think that Rivals actually has bad value. It just doesn't have any one chase card that's like $40. Instead, it has a bunch of like uh, $8 to $13 cards. All right, next question. Legendary Hero 7, with the rise in popularity of Paper Popper recently, do you think Watsi will try to support the format in some form? Popper Masters 2019. Is it a thing, Seth? <laughs> uh, I think they might support it as far as eventually having like a GP or something for it, but I think the biggest reason Wizards isn't more on board with supporting Popper is it's all commons. Like, how does Wizards, how do you use profit off of, <laughs> out of Popper? You can't really make Popper Masters itself for $10 a pack because it's all commons. Yeah, but I mean, they. You, you wouldn't make a Masters, but I, I would say the way you, you see Popper being supported is if they reprint the old expensive commons, like, uh, I, I don't know, is Oubliette even reprintable? Like, kind of those really old cards that are played in Popper, maybe sprinkle them in Commander or, you know, some other Master set as, like, a common or uncommon, and kind of throw in Popper players a bone. I don't expect a dedicated Popper... Uh, a dedicated popper uh product uh maybe if they still had dual decks they could do it or something like maybe like a popper pre-con that sells for really cheap but i don't see them going that far yet i just think just weird obscure old popper staples in supplemental products like commander could be a thing and that's how they would actually support it at first yeah that makes sense uh next question absalom wizard do you guys have a mobile apps in the work would you ever uh, the answer is <laughs> in the plans, in the plans, but I haven't gotten around to it, but that, that is one of our most requested, uh, features. Uh, next question, Desi Nohe, in your opinion, what is the hardest, most skill-intensive modern deck to pilot? Grixis Control, Storm, Death Shadow, or Lantern Control? Um, 
I'm gonna say I'm gonna say lantern control because I feel like I don't even know if this counts as skill, but I feel like to be good at lantern, you have to have a encyclopedic knowledge of the decks in the format and what answers they're playing and what matters. So I feel like that makes it the most skill intensive if we're counting knowledge about the modern format as a skill. I think it's Death Shadow. I always think either aggro decks or mid-range decks are the hardest to play because you need to flip your role uh, all the time. You need to switch from being an aggro deck to a control deck uh, or even a mid-range deck and vice versa depending on your matchups. And it has uh, the most complicated thing in all of Magic combat math. As a control player, you never have to do combat math. You never have to race. You never have to do any of that. You just need to play out your control plan, uh, which you need to know the other decks. But it kind of plays out the same because your deck is going long and you just always win. But when you play an aggro deck and you play versus another aggro deck, I think that's one of the hardest things to do. Uh, Racing properly and doing complicated combat correctly. Uh, Next question. G San Sigolo, please comment about this. <laughs> I pulled up the tweet. <laughs> it's from Paulo. Apparently, pre-release had double-faced foils all over Brazil being misprinted. They flip into the wrong land. Journey to Eternity. The black green flip has Vault of Catlacan. The blue, the blue red land. Printing uh, issues. Actually, uh, I have a slew of printing issues too <laughs> to add to this. So uh, at our pre-release, we had the announcement that a certain card was just missing its power and toughness. Uh, it was a common, so the judges said you could call them over and they'll write in your power and toughness. <laughs> <laughs> and just looking at the print quality of the cards playing with other people, it was all over the place. They did not fix this at all. There were cards where I'm like, is that a counterfeit? Like, it can't be, right? We just <laughs> opened all of these. Like, some cards were, like, super bold. Like, like the font was bold, and then other cards had normal-looking font. Like, it, it was just all over the place. For cards in the same set, presumably of the same print run, because they're in the same <laughs> pre-release pack. Uh, so I, I don't think Wizards has fixed their quality control issues at all, and it... It looks even worse. This is the worst I've ever seen it. Wow, that's that's saying something, <laughs> that it's even worse, <laughs> because it's been pretty bad. I mean, the double flip cards, yeah, I mean, obviously it's not good that we're having these mistakes, but I bet they'll be popular collector's items eventually. Like, that's a pretty cool thing to have in your collection, but it's really disappointing that it's not improving. It feels like it's been... Almost, what has it been, like, three or four sets that this has been, like, a real topic of conversation? Uh, maybe even longer than that. So, I don't know. How long does it take for Wizards to fix a problem? And this is a big problem. Like, having your cards just be such poor quality and fall apart is a really big issue. So, uh, if we're still having this conversation in Dominaria, I'm going to be very disappointed. Yeah, uh, on the on the flip side, haha. How much do you think these cards will be worth? Like, if you have a flip card that flips into another flip card in a foreign language, like, that's got to be a collector's item, right? I can see people just wanting these for their decks and, you know, just confusing the heck out of their opponents. Kind of like the misprint Planeswalkers and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it's really hard to say. I expect If I opened one of them, I would definitely be holding on to it for a bit because I think it will be valuable at some point, but I don't know that much about the misprint market, but from what I do know, it's kind of one of these things where it's 
worth as much as someone wants to pay you for it. So maybe uh, be checking eBay. I don't know how many of these there are. Is it all of Brazil got these flip cars and there's hundreds or thousands of them? Or is it like just a small number? So I think we got to wait and see how rare they actually are. But I definitely would hold on to them and not sell them for normal retail price at this point. All right. Uh, The next Against the Odds deck set is a deck 100% of cards that are misprinted such that they don't do what they're supposed to do. So so not like actual mechanical misprints where the borders are misaligned, but oracle misprints. Ooh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> I think we can do it. If, if we add in errated cards, you can definitely do it. <laughs> but I, I think just misprints, like the Ashiok where the, the plus is the wrong amount and things like that, <laughs> like just cause total confusion. For your except, <laughs> except, unfortunately, Moto has them right. I think so. We there's not really misprints on Magic Online. You got you got to do it in paper. <laughs> uh, next question, Edie Vanta. 2017 seems like a bad performance year for Watsi. Card stock quality, uh, double face card misprint, standard bannings, FNM promos, master sets. Any good moves from them other than play design team? I really like Ixalan and Amoncat. I feel like those are... I really like those sets and think they're good sets. So I think those sets were good moves. Uh, and then play design team, I think definitely counts as a good move. Uh, increased tournament coverage. They really kind of doubled down on making tournament coverage available every weekend and doing more of that. I think that was another one. Uh, there's probably some other ones I'm not thinking of at the moment. Yeah, uh, unstable, uh, oh, yeah. smash hit. Uh, Commander, Commander twenty, Commander uh twenty eighteen the or twenty seventeen, <laughs> the product itself, and then but just the overall growth of Commander, I I think Vossi is really good at casual have fun stuff, where they have problems is not saving or trying to save too much money <laughs> printing their cardboard and the competitive aspect of the game, but uh for all the players having fun, I think. This year was a great year with Commander and Unstable uh, being really strong products. Uh, next question. Maxi Wawa. Would Modern be better with 20-card sideboards? Oh, I'm going to say no. I, I don't know for sure. I, I'm torn on it. But my, my gut is no. I think you add more cards to the sideboard, and then you just have even more matches that are dependent on who, if someone draws their game-ending sideboard card. So I don't think that really solves anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say no. If I could put, like, say, eight graveyard hate cards in my sideboard, like, you just get non-games against, you know, graveyard decks, or let's say you put four Ley Lines and four Aether Sworn Candice or something in your sideboard for Storm. Like, you can just outright kill decks uh, if you have enough sideboard slots. So I would say it probably makes Modern worse by having more one-sided matches. Uh, next question, Chap Life. What are your favorite lands, and why do you say Crucible of the Spirit Dragon? <laughs> uh, Crucible of the Spirit Dragon might be my least favorite land. I I still have a pile of those somewhere. Favorite land? Uh, that's a That's a tough one. I really like Geez, I don't know. Do you know, Richard, off the top of your head? <laughs> what lands you like? <laughs> uh, well, no, your favorite. Your favorite land. Uh, my favorite land is probably Treetop Village. I think it's one uh. of the most underrated creature lands because you can actually hit on turn three, allowing you to kill Planeswalkers like Liliana, Jace, Nahiri, and stuff. 
that one turn of extra or activating early, I think, is pretty good. I'm going to go with Volrath Stronghold, I think. I really, I just like the grindy, keep getting back my Muldrifter from the graveyard. It's not really legal in any non-commander <laughs> format, but I really like that oh, card. Oh, we're going here, Cabal Coffers, um, <laughs> Strip Mine. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, it's it's definitely Strip Mine. <laughs> I forgot about that. Do the flip lands count? The flip lands are all really good. Uh, next question. Canadian Crawler. Being a Ramunap red deck guy, I was wondering what new Rick's cards you thought would fit well into the deck. I'm thinking Fanatical Firebrand, Mutiny, Sideboard, Blood Sun. Uh, this was posted yesterday. <laughs> Canadian Crawler, I have some bad news for you. <laughs> Uh, I think the pirate one drop. I think that's where I want to go with Ramanamp right now. I think you want to take advantage of the pirate one drop. Maybe, uh, maybe support some more of the pirate synergies and go that direction. Uh, next question, Ethan Aronson. I feel like there was a lot of hype surrounding Sorceress Spyglass as one of the safety valves that Standard needed, but I don't see it played a ton. Why do you think that is? Thoughts on its place in Standard if energy is banned? I mean, that's a great part of safety valve cards is hopefully you don't need them they're one of those cards that you just want in the card pool like graveyard hate where if the format's doing well and it's in a good place then no one actually needs to put them in their sideboard but then if we get to a place where super friends is just dominating and the the equivalent of team or energy having a sorceress spyglass we will be very thankful that it exists if we got to that point all right next question one epic pug favorite blue white commander um, Azur. I haven't even played it yet, but it's my favorite at the moment. Azur. Sphinx's Revelation as a commander. Uh, yeah. I, I'm actually cheating and pulling up a list of all... Okay, <laughs> there are too many Azorius <laughs> commanders, but I'll, I'll list you some of the top ones. Brago, Grand Arbiter, Bruna, Noyandar, Ephara, Geisus Ain't Trapped, Hannah, Daxos, Dragonlord Ojitai, Sig, Guafa... Temet, Kangi, Esperia, another Esperia, Tygum. These all sound like terrible commanders, Seth. I am not a blue-white player. <laughs> I I like Grand Arbiter a lot as well, and Brago. Those are both really fun ones. Yeah, I, I think Blink Shenanigans is best here. I, I, I think I like Bruna. I like Voltron. I like Voltron-y decks. Uh, next question. I recently taught my father... Oh, from SSJ Goomba. I recently taught my father to play Magic, and he wants to attend a standard FNM. Can you give me options for a deck that is simple enough for a new player and competitive enough to win a few games? Maybe a budget magic deck. Ooh, well, everything is kind of in flux at the moment with the new set and uh, bannings and everything. But if you're looking out of the current options we have for standard, I think maybe like the the favorable pirate deck, uh, something along that line. So you got a pretty straightforward game plan. If you get good draws, you can steal some wins with it. You got an evasive clock. So I might look for there uh, for right now, but keep an eye out over the next few weeks because we're going to be playing a lot of new standard decks with the format changes and the new set. All right, next question. G. Sensigolo, general thoughts on Flood of Recollection as a budget replacement for Snapcaster in blue. I've tested it in Grixis Delver and it uh, fit very well, a true sleeper. And if you don't know what Flood of Recollection is, it's blue, blue, sorcery, return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand, exile, Flood of Recollection. I mean, I think it's significantly worse than Snapcaster, but if you're... 
I don't know. If you're building a budget deck, do you want that over just playing a non-Snapcaster-esque card? And I'm not 100% sure. It is, if you really need a Snapcaster effect on a budget, it's probably the place to go. But I'm not convinced you're not better off just playing another Serum Visions or another Removal Spell or something if it comes to that. Yeah, the, the whole point of Snapcaster... Is not rebuying the card, but rebuying the card and getting a 2-1 creature. Uh, if you're just rebuying the card, you can just kind of add the card you want to your deck. So if you're, if you're trying to look for like the sixth path to exile, then, uh, you know, add another condemn or, you know, whatever removal you think is equivalent to path to exile and just keep adding that. Or if you want another card draw, then add another card draw spell. Uh, next question, run Thundersnow south. What is your record against Tron and all its variants? <laughs> I, I know you dislike it <laughs> with a fashion, and it would be interesting to see what the numbers are. Uh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to calculate it. I have a feeling it's probably not very good, but I actually don't know the numbers. I guess I could go back through old videos and get a pretty good sense of it. But I assume that I have a a pretty massively negative record against Tron. All right. What, what's the power ranking here? Uh, Infect boggles. Tron. Uh, Tron. So it used to be Infect, but then Infect kind of isn't really that much of a thing anymore. So then Tron took over the top slot, and Boggles is super annoying, but to me it's less annoying than either Infect or Tron. So Tron won, uh, <laughs> Infect 2, but it used to be 1 when it was really popular, and then Boggles 3. All right, I hope when we return to Dominaria, we get another <laughs> Gitaxian probe <laughs> to, to push Infect back <laughs> into the number one slot for you, Seth. <laughs> oh, please no, please no. <laughs> it's like, it's a goblin guide, but it has Infect. <laughs> and there's a Thought Seize on it for some reason. <laughs> it's really good. I will say I'm a little nervous. In fact, has been making a comeback a little bit lately. It's still like tier three, but every once in a while you run into it, and it is just as miserable as I remember. Uh, next question. Interplanar MTG. If energy is banned, what are you guys going to cl- complain about on the podcast? Oh, you just wait. We'll find something. Yeah, we complain uh, that energy is banned. We complain on both sides of the argument. It's fine. <laughs> uh, wait, wait. What's what's the next set mechanic? we got to start complaining about rivals. Uh, I think ascend. I'm gonna. Ascend? I think ascend is what I'm gonna complain ascend is about. Too, all right. Why didn't wizards print <laughs> removal for the city's blessing? <laughs> I, that was my impression during playing uh, sealed. Like you, it is so easy to turn on, and maybe it doesn't carry over to standard, but. There's a lot of cards that are really good if you have City's Blessing, and it seemed like everyone just accidentally had City's Blessing by turn maybe six on average. By, by the way, do you know what a really stupid card with Ascend is, in Sealed specifically? There is the Ancestral Recall for three mana with Ascend, and you have you, you get Ascend like no problem every game because no one can kill you fast enough, and my opponent's just sitting there drawing a billion cards and i'm like this is worse than treasure cruise like what <laughs> yeah they also have the that hexproof thing with ascend it's like a 2-2 invisible stalker essentially <laughs> for three mana i lost to the flyer there's a flyer i think it's a 2-2 for three but whenever it attacks it gets a plus one plus one counter if you have ascend so it just like straight up killed me because i couldn't stop it with my dinosaurs so after like four turns it just killed me by itself so yeah, Ascend seems really good. I just, I uh, I said this as soon as I saw it. I wish they would stop printing things that there's no way to interact with. I think in general, 
just every mechanic you make, have it be so there's something that can interact with it. Maybe Planeswalker emblems can be the one exception, but because that's the biggest, one of the big problems with energy, and they even said with energy, like, oh, in hindsight, I would have put ways for you to interact with energy, because that's the big problem, and then they made City's Blessing and a said with no ways to interact with it, so... I'm sure it'll... I mean, Exile used to be a thing you couldn't interact with, but now we can put things in, take things out, cast things from Exile and stuff, so maybe one day we'll we'll deal with... What, what is the city's blessing? Is it an emblem? What is it? It's just like its own thing. It's not an emblem, but it is basically like an emblem. But it technically is not an emblem. Yeah, so the card will be uh, Target Game Object Name City's <laughs> Blessing. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what it will be alright uh, next question Redbeard Brian 1 with 4 out of the 5 last sets having released cards banned in standard what can wizards do to restore customer faith that they can produce a standard which doesn't need bandings oh boy we've kind of talked about this a lot but my hopes are resting with the play design team so should, should Watsy actually do anything outside of just making the next format good should they be like we're sorry for crappy standard for a year. Here's a play pack of five random mythics we're giving you or something like that. Or here, here's a judge foil lightning bolt or something. Do you think they should actually do something on top of creating a normal standard? Uh, that would be awesome. Just send everyone like a player reward pack like they used to do that everyone's DCI number with a little apology letter. I mean, I don't think they'll actually do that, but... Yeah, or like free, uh, uh, a free draft or something, or like a free standard tournament or something along that line. I mean, yeah, they did that on Magic Online a long time ago when there were a lot of problems. Uh, Chuck's Virtual Party, which actually uh, ended up crashing and not working out so well. Wait, what but is, they what tried. is this Chuck's they Virtual tried. Party? What is this? Moto was like at its worst point back in the early years, and it was almost unplayable for like six months. So they're like, oh, we're sorry, everyone. We're getting back up. We're going to have this Chuck's Virtual Party with all these free events, and it's going to be awesome. And then the party itself crashed, and things didn't work out. Uh, the history of Magic Online is so lovely. It's just so fun. But So I think it would be cool if they did do something, but I don't really expect that they will. I mean, just 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 give everyone a fatal push. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Vig SS, Ferocidon was banned because you made Daggerburn too strong, Seth. What do you have to say uh, for yourself? <laughs> that is the saddest part of the banning. Like, when I look at these cards, I'm like, oh man, now I can't Rogue Refiner with Panharmonicon, and I can't Daggerburn people with Ferocidon, so... Uh, it is a little sad, but you can play the deck with uh, Trespasser's Curse. Ferocidon was the worst of the, the combo pieces anyway, so I think we're still okay. All right, that's all for Fish Mail. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. Remember, you can send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail. Wow, well, I think that uh, brings us to the end of episode 155 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard, any last thoughts on the way out the door today? It's a, it's a new frontier, Seth. We, <laughs> a brand new standard is before us. It'll be interesting to see what happens with this new Rivals of Ixalan. And finally, is it time for Merfolk to shine? I, I, <laughs> I need a tribal deck in standard, Seth. I need uh, it. <laughs> well, as soon as we get off of our podcast recording, I'm about to go brew some standard. So I'll work on Merfolk for you, Richard. <laughs> All right, but don't make it, don't make it too good because I don't want everyone else playing it. Just for me. <laughs> give me the secret necklace, Seth. Just give me the secret necklace. <laughs> 
well, thanks for listening, everyone. This brings us to the end of episode 155 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. Until next week, uh, see ya. We'll talk to you soon.